0: Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with Adi Burubasis, Lambros Sirmos, and our special guest for the day, making his second appearance on the pod, Bob Beans. Bob is one of our greatest supporters on social media. He has truly been promoting us since day one, and we're really grateful for that. And he also has some amazing content on Twitter, at Olympiacos underscore ENG with the Olympiacos English account. Bob, thanks so much again for coming on. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for inviting me back. And uh, in a couple of months since I was last on, I've enjoyed listening to your show and yeah, loving the work you're putting out. And yeah, so thanks for asking me back again.
0: Of course, of course. And thank you again for the kind words. It really means a lot, uh, especially on social media as well with getting our voices out there too. We really enjoy that. Today we are going to be discussing a season in review sort of for Olympiakos. Obviously, we're not even really halfway through the season yet, but it feels like it's been a long time since the first couple games of the year when we started the podcast. And uh, we definitely have a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to dive deep into the analytics and make some comparisons to previous seasons for players as well as the team as a whole. And we will talk about the ethnic key a little bit at the end. Fine. Uh, before we get into that, we do have a few Announcements we would like to make on Thursday, November 12th, you will be able to listen to our episode with the PAUC Talk podcast. We will be having a correspondent from them. You can follow them on Instagram at PAUC underscore talk. They are an English podcast all about PAUC. So Lambro will be excited about that. And we hope to extend an olive branch of peace between the Olympiacos and PAUC communities. After that, on Monday, November 16th, we will be joined by the Super Greek, who you can follow on Twitter at the Super Greek. He will be joining us to discuss the international break, as Greece will have played Cyprus and Moldova by then. So that will be out on Monday, November 16th. Our next episode after that will be Friday, November 20th. We will be joined by Antoni from Hellas Football for the last day of the international break, as well as some pre match for Olympiakos versus Panathinaikos, the Derby of Eternal Enemies. We would also like to say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at piraeusintl.com, or give them a call at 410 675 four six nine six and one last bit of housekeeping we have a wonderful review from a great listener and we are really thankful to have received this review on apple and i think lambro has it up he's going to read it out so everyone can hear
2: yes everyone i we have a new review on apple i was asked unfortunately to read this review it is titled Actually Palk Fans, a five star review from a user named Pskittles28. <laughs> And Peace Kittles goes on to say, I listened to this podcast thinking these guys were actually Olympiakos fans. Newsflash, I was dead wrong. They're all diehard dog fans and take every chance they can to remind you of that. <laughs> they, they worship Dimitri Falkas and cry for Olympiakos to sign. Amir Warda nonstop. They never use any statistics and just make up non- nonsense <laughs> to justify their opinions. <laughs> Listeners, beware. Thank you, P. Skittles, for that fantastic podcast. I think that encapsulates the podcast perfectly. Thank you so much.
3: <laughs> that was definitely made for you. <laughs>
2: Indeed, it was.
0: <laughs> the only thing he was right about is us begging to sign Amir Warda, obviously. What a big player he is for Volos, giving the entire team coronavirus and celebrating every time he scores. Such a massive player. When he said that he was linked with Olympiacos, he was actually referring to this podcast mr skittles hit the nail on the head with that one i think so we really appreciate the kind review it was five stars so feel free to send in a review on apple and also follow us on social media at gate 7 intl if you're not already some quick news uh, looking at the coronavirus pandemic things are getting very bad in europe right now and greece has issued a three-week full lockdown we're talking back to march conditions again. uh, Obviously, we hope everyone stays safe and we hope that this is for the best in terms of lowering coronavirus case numbers. Now, a lot of other European countries have issued similar standards. It seems like it won't be impacting football as much. We'll talk more about why maybe international breaks should be limited, but it seems like the Greek Super League will certainly be going on. And heading to Europe, both Pauk and Ike put up great performances in the Europa League on Thursday since we've last talked. Both of them won 4-1. to one. Pauk against a PSV team that, while losing some players due to injury, was still a pretty strong side. You really have to hand it to Pauk for a great result there. And Ike looking very strong against a Zorya Luhansk team that looked to be the whipping boys of that Europa League group. Two big wins for the teams and two big wins for the coefficient. Additionally, speaking again of the coronavirus, they're having a little outbreak over in Ike with Mantaros and Svarnas testing positive. Uh, I think Ike's game was postponed this weekend as a result, and both of those players will be out of international break as well. So they will need some replacements shortly after being selected into the squad. Yanulis, who has been one of the better performers, honestly, for the Ethniki and Pauk, is also going to be missing this international break with an adductor injury, so we'll see what they do there. Chimikas has been included. We'll get more into the Ethniki later, but we might see him at left back. The first thing we do want to talk about is the game that happened this morning as we are recording this on Sunday uh, between Olympiakos and Ofi. It was a 2-0 victory for Olympiakos with Hassan scoring a goal and then Masura scoring the second one. Ruma hit the post as well. He had a pretty solid game. But once again, for me, still not good enough. I still want to see more goals, especially in the first half. Another disgusting, goalless first half for Olympiacos. And I think everyone else can
3: agree. Adi, what are your thoughts on the game? It was definitely a little disheartening to see another first half like that. I really hope we would break this curse. But there were some positives. We did have some opportunities, if not maybe for some... Well, relatively poor finishing. You know, maybe we could have had something, but it's these slow starts are just. We still haven't figured out how to do away with it, and this is something that will haunt us the rest of this European
1: stage if we don't fix it. Bob, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree. The slow starts are kind of getting me down a bit now. Um, obviously, I think is it every single game this season um, we haven't scored in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pleased to see Bruma start because I think uh, he could be like the speedy attacking sorry I've got my dog attacking me here uh, could be like the speedster that we need on the wing so I, I was quite excited obviously this is his first league start is it I think for us so um, why can't we score in the first half it's it's really starting to get me down now like um, it's only costing us in Europe so far we're, we're, obviously we're overcoming it in the second half in, in the league but it's something needs to change uh obviously i think that's fortunes myself but hey
0: uh, i do want to clarify i think bruma did start against apollon smirness although he was subbed off at halftime so this oh, would be yes yeah. yeah, he did sorry yeah I, I this is, yeah he got more time today and yes, he looked great more. i mean what you said bob is this is going to cut it in greece especially against you know some of the smaller greek sides but not necessarily in europe I mean, we saw against Porto and Manchester City, we spent most of the game down 1 0 and couldn't do anything about it. Now, obviously, those are bigger sides, but I just want to make clear to everyone that, you know, even if we win 2 0, even if Hassan scores and it's all exciting, uh, there are still a lot of issues. And honestly, our schedule has been really easy in Greece as well. Uh, We haven't played any of the big teams, partially because of things being postponed. You know, we had Pauk and it got postponed, we had Ike and it got postponed. But still, we haven't, we've played, you know, Ofi, I think, are probably the best team that we've played so far. We haven't played a team that we shouldn't beat, and we still haven't scored a goal in the first half, I don't think, in the entire campaign.
3: Yeah, and the annoying thing is we are running Valbuena into the ground. There was no reason for me that he should have started today. Okay, yeah, I get that. You know, when we haven't scored in the first half against Ofi, we haven't won a game there in Crete. So, okay, that's something to be concerned with, especially since we're not scoring in the first half. But this is getting ridiculous. The guy is 37 years old now? Come on. We, We really need to change things up. Now, granted, during the course of the first half, we saw a lot of tactic management on the field. Martins made some adjustments. He was flipping sides with Bruma and Valbuena. Uh, Valbuena actually initially started at the 10, got pushed to the left, and then Masuras was playing the 10. Not sure how I really felt about that. I didn't think Masuras really did anything at that position. Although in the second half, I thought he did some things. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I'm okay with the thought, especially given how the game script was going. But, I mean, we got to stop running Valbuena to the ground.
0: And the thing with Valbuena for me is we knew this was a problem. I mean, obviously, he's looked amazing, and he's continued to look amazing in Europe. We've seen some great performances from him, but it was going to happen. And I know, obviously, we want to win every game in Greece, and we're still not playing well enough in Greece, and we're upset about that. But I would rather see us drop points with a rotated team than throw out our older players. I mean, Holebas, he kind of had to play with Vinagre injured. But Valbuena, I mean, you've got Fortunis who can come on, You've got Maxi Levera, who's nowhere to be seen. There's options there to give him a rest, and those players are perfectly fine to have in the Super League, and we just didn't see them.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to go on a rant now about Maxi Lovera. I'm going to save that for when we go for the season in review. But again, I think, uh, Olympiakos, you mentioned this. Like We were literally playing on a potato field today in Crete. What is going on with Greek football? Oaka is being torn up now again because... The Greek national team is going to be going to play in Tumba or something. Ofi's field is terrible. It's just shocking stuff. I was scared there that Cissé had torn his ACL. It was a non-contact injury. He went down in pain. And oh, yeah. I my heart was in my throat. Like, that was so scary. So, you're running Matthew Valbuena out there. You're running Jose Julepas out there constantly. They're going to go down. They're going to go down. You're relying. You're running Matthew Valbuena into the ground. And what is the long-term goal here, Matthew Valwin, is a 36-year-old? Shouldn't our team be able to produce something outside of a 36-year-old? Like, it, it, it's insanity. We should have more options. And I'm getting frustrated with the fact that it's only him and Fortunis, it seems, at this point. And now Fortunis has some drama we can get into, but it's just it's disheartening. More so to the the, the game today, I thought the first half was poor. Um, I, I, I would have to give it to Hassan. I thought his link-up play was... Well done. I thought he was getting in good positions as a target man. But Jolebas was poor that first half, was really poor. That penalty he gave away, which was like two meters offside. What a joke from VAR there. He was poor, and he's going to burn us. He is going to burn us in Greece. He's going to burn us in Europe, and it's a matter of time with him.
0: Yeah, we really have to hope Ruben Vinagre can come in and be a consistent performer at left back because that's supposed to be his position, we haven't really seen it yet. Obviously, he needs time to settle in, but we know he's a talented player, especially going forward. But yeah, Jodebas cannot consistently do this. We see it at times, but he really needs his rest. Obviously, he's going to get a little bit of it in the next few weeks here, but he really needs his rest. And I want to say as well, Lombro, you mentioned the VAR. Oh, my God. I don't know. There were two instances today, uh, the penalty that was disallowed and then an Olympiacos goal that was disallowed where literally it was the most obvious clear as day offside and they spent eight minutes looking at it like what is that i mean i know like english fans a lot of times get upset about var and like maybe rightfully so but like for me to sit here and watch them review an obviously offside play for eight minutes and then have eight minutes of stoppage time afterwards it's a joke but that's just an aside i do think hassan was better in link up today I've been honestly counting his successful actions now every time I watch him after the discussions that we've had in the past. And he had a couple nice moments where he made a good pass. You usually don't see that from him. He usually doesn't offer much in terms of playmaking. He obviously didn't finish every chance he had, but he finished one. Um, Decent game from him for sure. I think one of the better overall all-around games we've seen from him, even if it is in Greece.
3: I'm still not sure how I feel about Jan and Vila in Greece. I mean, he does literally the exact same Bukalakis does which is sit right in front of the defensive line and just kind of restart play, and I don't know. I love him in Europe, and I've always said that he definitely is very important to have in Europe. He's a class player, but breaking down these small teams in Greece, Envila doesn't change his style of play. He doesn't try to get forward more often. He doesn't look to, to break down... The the defense at all. He's not looking to do these through balls with that pace of play. When we're the runs that are on the front foot constantly, so I just don't find value in having him there on the field. But that maybe that's just me personally. I like Emvila as a player, but like again today, here's again, you know, here we are. We're the team on the front foot. We're constantly possessing the ball against Offie. and Emvila's sitting right in front of our defense. Why?
1: Yeah, so uh, with Mvila today, um, we got to the end of the 90 minutes, and I didn't even notice he was on the pitch. And that's not a slight on him saying that he was bad. It's just for me, I just the game passed me by, and at, at the end, I was like, I, I can't recall anything that Mvila did. That neither bad nor good. I'm just just didn't notice he was on the pitch. Um, whereas in Europe, he stands out. You know, he's I see him. You know, every five minutes, he's involved in the play, or whatever. Uh, was yeah, today I just didn't i can't recall him doing anything in the game and again that's he's very good i'm not saying that he did anything bad um yeah it's just i, I didn't know someone the pitch. where's maddie on the other hand i saw you know maddie seemed to be involved in uh almost everything that happened today
2: as we know i'm jan MVS super fan number one over here i just don't know what we can want him to do in these games you know and and another point is, I am I am open to criticize Pedro Martins, and I am going to criticize him when we look at this season in review. But I don't know what other midfield he puts together, you know. I, I honestly think Anvia is a must-start. Like, What are you going to go with Pujalakis and Madi, I
3: guess? Yes, absolutely.
2: No, I yes. No, I won in Villa you, instead of Bukalakis.
3: I'm sorry. I did okay. like I So but and ahead. here's the thing, and this is something we'll get into, of course, when we do the season in review. But Bujalakis makes those downfield balls. You need a more positive figure. We don't have we you know, we can take the luxury in Greece of not using a traditional number six. Who's who's possessing against us? Okay, if, if you're going to argue that he's there to dissolve a counter, okay, maybe. But he, he doesn't offer anything in Greece. And one one metric I'm going to point out, something that uh, I, I wasn't even aware of, but something that I'm going to focus more on as we kind of jump into the things in review. Laikis averages 2.31 smart passes per 90 minutes, so on a per-game basis. It's been a long time since I reviewed this, but for the listeners, a smart pass is a very creative pass that cuts through the midfield and defense. Usually, is a through ball, cuts through at least two players, and it's deemed as something that creates a dangerous opportunity. Boulhalikes averages 2.31 per game. That is the second highest in Greece. There's only one player in Greece in the Super League that has as many smart passes on a 90-minute basis as Bukhalakis, and that's Madalos. And Madalos is somebody we know that is doing very well in Greece. So that says something. And we know, we've know we discussed in the past that Bukhalakis has been pivoted to be more of an attacking threat in the midfield. He's been pivoted to take that role on more so. So for me, yes, use him. Or at the very least, use Pepe. Use somebody that's a little bit more offensive-minded than Mvila. I, okay, I understand, again, that Nvila's a better defensive player, but you can't expect him to change his style of play. He plays the same, whether we're playing in Europe and Greece. And that's not a bad thing, because in Europe, it has a place. Stronger teams coming at us. We need him to settle the ball down, distribute, be fluid, and be the glue that holds the possession game together. But not in Greece. Who's going to challenge us in possession? Ofi? No. Smirnis? No. Yanina? No. Ike, maybe. Balk, on the counter. Adromidos, no. So what purpose does he serve in Greece? He doesn't really serve one. When the problem with the team is the creativity and the offensive movement, the positional attack efficiency, you need to have more creators, more people that are willing to take risks down the field. And Envila is not one of those. One player
0: that, to be quite honest with you, I know we've talked about before, and I kind of have forgot, but a player that we haven't seen at all this season, uh, that's Thiago Silva. I wonder if he would be a potential fit for that role in Greece. I mean, I know he's not in the European squad, but we need to rotate, and uh, I don't see the harm in giving him a game here
3: and there. Absolutely not, but, you know, and this is something that is a criticism of Martins as well. We don't really see a lot of outside rotation from these guys very often. He's going to rotate the same 14, 15 guys just like last year, just like the year before. I don't think we're really going to see Thiago Silva very much.
2: Honestly, hearing you talk about Envia, I feel like I'm back in 2016 or 2015, and we're talking about why is Alexis Romao? do you guys remember that clown? Like a very good Romau, Envia, of course, but like everyone was like, Romau is a UFC fighter. Why does he play in Greece? There's no reason for him. We have two DMs. Don't play him next to Milivojevic, where I think did they overlap as well? I honestly don't remember. But this has always been an argument with this 4-2-3-1 system with Olympiakos. Like, do we need a defensive midfielder in Greece? Do we need a more attacking player? And I feel we're reliving this argument. And I'm sorry, but for me, Jan and Villa is the last of my worries with this team right now in Greece and the not scoring, I think. Lazar Angelovich, everyone may have seen my comments on Twitter, is a problem. I think lack of creativity outside of Matthew Valbuena is a problem. I think Jan Envia, like playing as the six, is not the key problem. Jose Juleba's being 45 years old and unable to get past anyone, problem. But Jan Envia, I think it's just, it's not the problem
3: for me. It's not the problem anyway. To be fair, there's multiple problems. So, I'm not you know, I'm, that's I'm a gonna good, point that's a good point too. That's <laughs> yeah, a great point as well. We're point, not too simplistic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
3: I'm not gonna point at Mvila and say he is the problem here because he's not. I'm just pointing out an issue in terms of creativity. I agree with you hundred percent with regards to to Radevich. and then the left side as well. You know, maybe we just get to the point now, we do some of the the coaching ratings and we just get into the the season review. Let let us air out our grievances, our dirty laundry. And just get to it because we're already we're already like getting into that, so might as well do our coaching grades and get to that point because that's the real juicy part right now that we're trying to get into, and we're already kind of bleeding into that point. What do you guys think, coach ratings? Yeah, sure. let do it. All right, uh, I I'll go first. I'm going to give Martines again because I I was very positive. Uh, in terms of his field management. I liked seeing that, trying to get something done. I didn't necessarily agree with the starting 11. I wanted to see Valbuena rested. I wasn't 100% with Envila. I also wanted to see Drager start. But I was okay with the start on a whole. He had some good subs that did make us a lot more attacking. Uh, I'll still give him an A for this.
0: I'm going to maybe be a little bit less optimistic, although I pretty much agree with everything you said. I wanted to see Valbuena subbed off, pretty much at halftime. And that's not, you know, I know usually when players are subbed off at halftime, it means like, oh, they were trash, like horrible performance, absolute embarrassing. And I don't think that was true of him, but we've got a 36, 37-year-old player who needs some rest and he's not having his best game. It's a good opportunity to just take him off early. Easy sub on with Fortunis. I kind of wanted to see that a bit earlier. Uh, I agree with you, Adi, that, you know, I wanted to see Mohamed Drager again. Um, I mean, we've had that one taste of him in the last game and it was great and understandable that he didn't play in Europe, but definitely wanted to see him today. Didn't get to see him. I'm going to say B plus here. Obviously three points is three points and, uh, you know, we got the win, but I just think there's still some things that we need to see. The changes did help Fortunes did help, but I wasn't super excited after watching this game is all that I'm going to say.
2: Yeah, I guess I'll go next. Um, It's difficult for me to say because the football is just not good. I'm sorry. I know everyone is saying let the team gel. There's no preseason. But it hasn't been good in a long time. And we're looking at mid-November right now. And it's just not fun to watch. It's not like I got no entertainment out of watching this game today. And there were some fun moments. Bruma playing well, but... It's just not there right now, and I'm worried. So for the result itself, I'll I'll give him a B+. Um, I don't know. Did we give man of the match? I don't know. Man of the match. I'm going with Jan. I'll go with Hassan, actually. You know what? Hassan, I think, played a great game and worked worked really hard today.
0: My man of the match, I would say, is Bruma, I guess. I forgot to say it. But um, Adi, do you have a man of the match? And then Bob, uh, coach is great, a man of the match as well. Giving it the Fortunis.
1: All right, I guess it's me now. Um, just very quickly before I do that, um, I wasn't criticising MVLA, by the way, Lambo. Um, just an observation on today's game. Like He's a pleasure to have at the club. Um, I just think i kind of maybe side with Ari. I think he is maybe a bit wasted in the Super League games. Uh, but yeah, my comments on today were. No way of criticism of him. Um, yeah, I've got no, no criticism whatsoever. Um, but anyway, back to the actual question. Uh, I'm going to go B plus as well. Uh, I would have liked to see a different lineup, or not. Obviously, not totally different. Traeger, you mentioned running Holobas and Valburn underground, same as Rafinha. I know he doesn't. He's not showing any weaknesses at the moment, but his age will catch up with him at the end of the season. Uh, and from his one start last weekend, Draeger, he had an excellent game. Um, obviously, I run my own little man of the match uh, awards at the end, and he was actually voted man of the match last week, and I think that that's quite a fair reflection on last week. Um, so I would like to see him start. Uh, I was very pleased to see uh, Bruma finally, well, okay, his second start again, but you know, he's getting more time. Uh, but yeah, Val Brenner, why not start Fortunis? You know, G- give Val Brenner a break. Um, so obviously, Vinagre, um, Martin's hand was tied on that instance because obviously he's injured and didn't make it into the squad. So that one, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I'm just disappointed. Almost every week it's it's the same starting lineup, and he's just not changing. So initially I could get over it, but yeah, it's for that reason I'm going to mark him down for that. Uh, in-game management was fine. I was happy with the substitutions he made and the timing. In terms of the s- squad selection, disappointed with the starting lineup, happy with in game management. Uh, but I have to agree with you, Lambro. The football at the minute is not the most entertaining. Although today's game was probably one of the more entertaining Super League games we've had this season, but it doesn't say a lot. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't totally annoyed with it. Um, it was okay by this season's standards. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm hoping we can get better. Uh, man of the match, Boomer. Very well
0: said. Uh, I definitely agree with a lot of things you said. The feeling of waiting for a lineup and hoping it's rotated and then opening up the little lineup and seeing it's just the same 11 players is just like, oh, it's just the worst feeling. (laughs) And we've just had that a bit too much.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. And I I didn't want to make it seem like I was getting an argument about Jan-MV. I just think this is like an argument we've been having as Olympiacos fans for over 10 years with the DM and oh. You know, it's like almost always a different character. Is it Endinga? Is it Milivojevic? Is it Mvia? You know, it's like how Romal, Romal the worst, so bad. Um, but just like we, we've always had that DM, you know, who it's kind of like, do we save him for Europe? Do we blame blah, blah, blah. And so and I think the biggest thing you hit on is just it's not enjoyable right now. And that's really like we're getting all these results and they're against mediocre sides, if we're being honest. And it's just a wonder, is this going to catch up with us? And is there underlying frustration with Olympiacos fans, with reporters, with just, I, I can feel it's right underneath there. And if there's a derby or two that go, I am scared to see what happens. I don't know if you guys are feeling that as well, but it just feels like the fans are almost ready to blow if things don't go up. Like, Fortunis doesn't play and we lose a derby. Boom! The newspapers go crazy. And... That is where things go bad with Olympiakos.
3: Well, I'm not going to say whether or not I think the, it's an overreaction because that's, I do also believe we're kind of teetering on a fine line here. Some of the European results are forgiven because of the level of the competition we're playing against. But it's not going to be forgiven at all in Greece. Greece this year, the expectation is to repeat. That is an expectation. Maybe that's part of the reason that Martins is making some of the decisions he is, because of that pressure to repeat. Now, of course, we're going to jump into sort of the overview of what we have seen from Olympiacos so far this season. And what I wanted to do was give you the floor for your rant, the rant we've all been waiting for, just air your grievances, and then... What we would like to do is then using some data points that we've looked at, general player metrics, also overarching team data, to try and find out what gripes you have and what gripes the Olympiacos fans have that have something in them, or maybe there's more to it. So go ahead, Lambro. The floor is yours. Let it out.
2: Okay, everyone. So the tension's been building for, at least for me, and I'm going to start... And just say the results have been good this season. If we're in account the cup final, you know, we won a cup final, the results have been good. European games all right. Okay. And I see this argument every time I open up or criticize Coach Martins in the system. We haven't had a preseason, the new players need to gel. It's mid-November. The team knew this was happening. If if we're being honest, the front office, the people who run transfers knew this was gonna happen. And we're in mid-November. We haven't seen Thiago Silva. We've seen Ruben Vinagre for like half a game a game. We've barely seen Draeger. This was mismanagement from the top. This summer was a joke. The last January transfer window was a joke. Emery Moore and Cafu, that was a joke. Deadline day, panic. This summer, Vinagre and Bruma, okay, they look hopeful, but deadline day deals, they... No preseason. Just under a regular season, they wouldn't have preseason. But moving on, the mismanagement of the fullbacks. We knew Omar was gone to Galatasaray before we even played Wolves, before we stepped foot in England. Rafinha was the result, a 36-year-old, who at the end of these European games where he actually has to run, he looks pretty tired. He gets blown by by people. On the other side, Cosas got sold the first week we left Wolves. We got a new left back in Jose Julebas, who was not going to play. He was the, the Toro City's replacement. Do you ever remember Toro City's playing how many, eight, ten straight games? This is a joke. That's a joke. And Vinagre has to come in on the last day. That was mishandled by the club. And we are just taking in the benefits of that right now. And I'm disappointed with that. And this isn't Julebas' fault. This is the club's fault. His level was known. And I want to go on to another point. The mismanagement of some of these Greek kids in our system. Mario Vusai is better than Lazar Angelovic, or the same level for me. You you can tell me about the goals in the cup final. You can tell me the goal against Pauk. He's top, whatever. He's done nothing for 10 games. He scored in the cup final, and he's done nothing for 10 games. So you don't need to tell me about Lazar Angelovic scoring a year ago with Basak, or Krasnodar. I understand he scored. He did well to start the season last year, but he disappeared and he's disappearing now. And Danasi Sandrutsos, why is he Why is he here? This is a 23-year-old who has played in Europe, who played for us under Paulo Bento, played 40 games at Althromithos. What is the point for this kid? And it's frustrating. And now another young player, Maxi Lovera. Okay, he was told he's going to be part of the team. He's going to be part of the team. He's going to play. He has a lot of talent. He's a top player. I agree with that. Now we hear this week that we're in discussions to loan him out to Brazil. Maxi Lovera's father goes on the radio in Argentina and says he wants his son to sign on loan for this team in Brazil. Is that a joke? If we're going to loan Maxi Lovera, loan him to somewhere in Greece, loan him to the Netherlands, loan him to Spain. What? What is this Brazil for a three-month loan or maybe to buy him? what what type of management is that what, what type of I, i'm sorry i'm dragging on everyone but what type of management is that, that that's a joke that is a joke if you're going to loan maxi lovera loan him before the window ends we're still not learning how to deal with these young prospects and diamantopoulos refers to this in his his last podcast about fortunes so the results have been good progress has been there but w- we're not criticizing the team as much as we used to which okay Let me say, as Olympiacos fans, we criticize our team a bit too much. And under this team of Martins, I feel like he's gained kind of the respect and we've lost that sharp edge. And, And the biggest highlight is this Fortuny situation. It's frustrating to me that one of our best players, a star of the Greek national team, is being treated this way. We don't know everything that's happening behind the scenes, but someone needs to go in front of a microphone and tell us what the situation is. Because getting a new story on Gazeta Sport 24 on a podcast from Diamantopoulos, from Gavros GR, this is a joke. This is a joke. This is the captain of our club. We gave the armband. He's the biggest earner at our club. And we're having these stories every day on podcasts. He was stripped of the armband. Why was he even made captain in the first place? It's just mismanagement. The club is being mismanaged and there's some deeper problems and I'm worried about where it's going. That's the rant, everyone. I think it's been waiting for a while, but there it is. I hope you guys are happy with it. It may have gone on too long,
3: but there it is. Well, no, you you touched on a lot of points, and I agree on a lot of those points, as, as well as many of the listeners, I'm sure, do as well. So what I want to do is kind of hit at some of the things that you've discussed and kind of see are some of these concerns founded, unfounded. If not, what's really the concern within the concern? Now, before we get started on that, just one thing with Martins in terms of the lack of criticism, I'll say the goodwill that he's built up. That goodwill isn't unfounded. Remember the disaster that was two years ago, and Martins straight up had to build a new team, cut everything, rebuild from the ground up. I mean... We really don't have the same players that we did the season before that. He was cutting people left and right, bringing new players in, mixing and matching. That goodwill was built up because of what he did. Now, yes, we're in a different stage of Olibiacos. We're in a different phase. And this phase requires something else, something else that Martins is going to have to manage. Now, whether or not he's done it, you can make the decision for yourselves once you hear some of the data. Now, Lambro, I wanted to touch on something that you had talked about before. Uh, both you and Bob, both of you guys mentioned that the flavor of play, we'll say, isn't quite as spicy. It's a little bit more stale than it appeared last year. So let's take some time here and try and see kind of where that, sh- where it stands out. Now, last year, everyone kind of agrees that's one of the best Llebiacos teams we've seen. Great team to watch in Europe. Great team to watch in Greece. Dominant, dominant, dominant. So let's just compare the overarching metrics in terms of positional attacks, counters, shots, everything. Let's see where we stand. Last season, in terms of our positional attacks, We were averaging 28.64, almost 29 positional attacks a game with an attack efficiency resulting in a shot 22.8% of the time. We were averaging almost three counters a game, 2.84, with a 44% shot efficiency on that. We were stellar on the counter last year. We were also averaging 13.4 shots per game. Solidly high level, led the Super League in terms of a shot per per game basis. 37.7% of our shots were on target. So let's compare that to this year. Positional attacks, last year was 28.64. This year we're averaging 33.23 positional attacks per game uh, with a shot efficiency of 22.7%. So the efficiency in terms of, of getting through and getting a shot on goal is the same, but we're averaging just about five more of those attacks per game we're actually on the ball more now than we were last year. And that's reflected even in the possession metrics. Counters per game. Last year, we were 2.84 counters per game. This year, 2.54, slightly less. A third of a counter less per game uh, with a 33% efficiency. That's the more important thing for me because our efficiency has dropped 11%. So we're literally converting one less counter almost every two or three games and that's not good counters are very dangerous counters very more often than not lead to goal opportunities so seeing that efficiency go down like that that's a little bit concerning more for me but it makes sense Uh, we know that our wingbacks aren't quite as active getting forward as the last year's were so That's something to kind of be concerned about. Now, in terms of shots, we're averaging 14.31 shots with a 36% shot efficiency. So 36% of the shots are on target, very similar to last year at 37.7, and we're getting pretty much an additional shot per game. So that's pretty significant. And all of these offensive, broad offensive metrics, we're doing better than we were last year. So besides seeing that we now attack more, maybe counter less efficiently, What do you think is in-the-game script that's really turning you off in terms of our performances than last year?
2: I think the biggest thing is the fullbacks are unathletic and can't get by anyone to save their life. I I think that's a huge problem. I think Rafinha likes to play the sweet little ball, one, two, one, two, back and forth, back to Semedo, boop. Nowhere. Lazar Angelovici plays one two, one two. Nowhere. It just seems like none, nothing is going anywhere. And with Holebas, it's even worse. Like I don't think he could get past Greek defenders. It's shocking. Um d I, I don't know what you think about that huge rant, Bob, but also what, what what is going wrong this season for you?
1: Yeah, for me it starts with the uh, fullbacks as well. Um, last season we had Simikas and Omar both of their games, was to uh, get down the wings and try to get um, the ball into the box, whereas Holabas just hasn't got the legs. And Rafinha, he's totally opposite to Omar. He's, he's always coming in the field. So so the numbers don't lie. So Ari's just giving us the numbers. But um, aesthetically, as you watch it, it, it doesn't feel like we're, we're attacking as much as we were last season. And I think that does come from the fullbacks because... Saar would get the ball, he'd get it out to Smedo or Cissé and they'd pass it out wide and then we'd attack. Um, whereas the attacks don't seem to be coming across uh, for the full length of the pitch like they were last season. And again, we've lost Podenza. Obviously, that was in January. That wasn't at the end of the season, admittedly, so we've already had half the season without uh, Podenza. But, you know, we've lost Podenza and now we've got Rangelovic in his place and... The world's apart, you know. The potenza uh, has that magic quality, you, you know. He used to get the ball, you'd get excited, you get on the edge of your seat. Whereas Rangelovic, I want him to be that player, but he's not, he's he's lacking, he hasn't got the end product. And even though I'm a hope very hopeful for Bruma, uh, I, I fear the same for Bruma, he, he hasn't got that end product yet. Um, I, ho- I hope he can work on that, but um, so. Numbers-wise, it looks, it sounds as though well, we are attacking as much, but it it certainly doesn't look like it doesn't feel like it to the eye, that's for sure.
3: So you both brought up very good points about the wing backs and the data with regards to the wing backs half agrees with both of you. Rafinha this year is averaging double the number of crosses per ninety minutes than Omar la- almost double than Omar last year. Rafinha's averaging 4.2 crosses per game versus Omar last year was 2.9. Now, we all know that last year everyone had been saying Omar is not as productive as he has been for us, and it showed. Rafinha also is leading the Super League in key passes per 90 minutes. He leads the Super League in key pass efficiency. So, what is key passes? I already told you guys what smart passes were before. Key pass is a little bit different. You've heard us bring this up before. I've never really gone into what it actually means. Now, per Y scout, a key pass when they record a key pass is any pass made by a player that leads directly to a goal-scoring opportunity. It can be a cross, it can be a pass, it can be a through ball, doesn't matter. Whatever it is that leads directly to a goal-scoring opportunity, a clear goal-score opportunity by the way. It's very that's very important. Clear goal-scoring opportunity That is what a key pass is. Now, there's one more thing about it. A key pass is a clear goal scoring opportunity that is missed. So a smart pass is a pass that's made to somebody, usually a through ball, that cuts through that somebody gets, and it's a successful pass. A key pass is a pass, a successful pass, that gets to somebody and they miss. Because obviously, if it were a key pass and it was scored, that would be an assist. So this is what a key pass is. Rafinha leads the league in this metric. Very important to see. So for the eye test, he does not get as far forward as Omar. Omar definitely used to push the end line more than he did. You can see that on the positional mapping. Rafinha does stay back. But Rafinha is crossing more. The output is greater technically on paper than it is for Omar. Now, that's Rafinha. Let's look on the other side. On the other side, guys, 100% clear. Holebas' output, vastly inferior to Tsimikas. Tsimikas was a leader in Greece last year when it came to key passes and crosses. He was averaging almost five crosses per 90 minutes in all competitions for Ljubljana. Holebas barely averages two. Less than half the production of Tsimikas. So... It is very clear on the left side we are missing that production. On the right side, the production is there. Is it nuanced? Yes. But it is there plus some. On the other side, it is not. Another fun caveat. We are averaging more crosses per game as a team this year, almost three and a half more per game as a team this year than we did last year. So although our wingbacks, especially on the left side, were more... Uh, well, really on the left side was more involved, we are getting more crosses. Why is that? Guys like Mahdi are getting involved. Valbuena, when he's playing at the 10, getting involved, making more crosses happen. So we're getting the production out of different pieces than just the wingbacks. So you have to wonder then, what is it about the adjustment and who's creating those opportunities is making it seem like there's less so and less dangerous ones?
2: I, I just want to make a quick comment. When you look at the starting 11 of Olibiakos, how slow is this team? I know that maybe not in the data, but who is running past anyone? Lazar Angelovic running into guys and kicking the ball out and doing nothing? There is no pace in this team. We saw this against Man City, which is, okay, Man City, their top team. But people were just getting blown by left and right. There's no pace in this team to get by. Who was hitting the ball and getting to the byline? No one. Rafinha's not blowing by anyone. Valbuena's not blowing by anyone. El Arabi's not blowing by anyone. Lazar Angelovic, Bruma's our only hope. Masuras is a quick player, but I don't think he's the type to do that. There's, There's no pace. It's lacking. This is a very old and slow team. It's just... It's not there. I think they brought in too many old players. I'm sorry. That's just... They thought they were going to cover the gaps up with these 36 year old fullback, but it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. The the numbers may be showing it, but the pace is not there. It's so slow.
0: You're not wrong. I think, for me, one of the main issues is obviously Jose Jolebas. This is a player that, when he was brought in, we talked about on this podcast... He's not going to play much. We talked about how he said in his interview when he joined the club, I am basically said, I'm okay if I don't play that much. We expected him to, as we said earlier today, be a total CDs replacement. He is our starter right now, and he's nowhere near good enough, and the numbers back that up. Rafinha, I can see why maybe – I mean, obviously, yes, he is old, and that's one thing, and it's not sustainable. Hopefully, Dreger can address that problem to some degree, but that is correct. I think he is maybe involved in things in just a different way than Omar was, in the sense that, like, you see him making passes, making link ups further in the defensive portion of the pitch for Olympiakos. But he also does get in those areas and make crosses. So I think maybe because he pops up more away from crossing positions, people watching might sort of not associate him with making crosses as much, but he is crossing the ball a lot. That's just sort of my hypothesis for why people might see that. But I think also the other problem is Yusef al a player who obviously scored so many big goals for us. There's a reason we're not getting goals. I mean, you look at the rest of the team, it's like we never relied that heavily on, say, Masuras for goals. Um, he gets a goal now and then, you know, but he's inconsistent. We never relied on him for that. We never relied on Lazar Ranjerovic for goals. He is also very inconsistent and rarely gets on the score sheet. We never even relied on Hassan for goals, really. It was El Arabi. He scored so many for us last year, and now he's not really looking as good, and he's not finishing those chances.
3: You are absolutely right, Peter. And I also wanted to kind of enforce a point that both Lambro and Bob made in terms of, I guess, seeing how you know the wingers you know maybe aren't as productive the team is slow and i think that this is something that's evident in how Mahdi is playing for us this year nothing bad to say about madi madi is still one of our most important players and then yet again for another consecutive year continues to do more continues to shoulder more of the offensive burden for us so i think seeing where Madi continues to take more of the offensive burden burden kind of lends support for what both you and Bob have said in that respect, because we have to try and find somebody to pick up the slack somewhere. And in this case, it's Madi. Madi's doing some of that. So let's just go through kind of what he, what he has done this year so far. So this year, Madi is averaging 2.1 crosses per game. Last year, he barely averaged one. That wasn't something he did. And again, the nature of the overlapping fullbacks, the nature of the wingers. He didn't need to. It wasn't something he was required to do. Game script this year, it's something he's doing. He's picking up the slack because it's not being done, especially on the left side. And in fact, most of Madi's crosses are coming from that left side. He's on the ball more as well. He already was on the ball a lot last year, but he's averaging 59 passes per game, 59 attempted passes per game with 65 touches per game versus last year was a roughly around 50 attempted passes per game, 50 to 53 touches. He's touching the ball more defensively, more interceptions per game, more long balls per game. He's dribbling on defenders more. He's getting into more one-on-one situations, almost four dribbles against opposing defenders per 90, where he did only two and a half times a game last year. Shots, 1.2 shot assists per 90 versus half a shot assist per game last year. Wasn't something he really did. He's now producing specifically in the offensive third. Doubly so than last year. Smart passes, averaging a smart pass per game. Remember, smart pass, that's a pass that's cut through at least two to three players and it's successful. This was always something we saw that he had the capability to do. The execution wasn't there. He's executing more now because he's averaging one smart pass per year this year and 0.77 key passes per 90. Last year, it was just about one, but it was one key pass. Those opportunities were being missed more than they are now. So it's very interesting to see that amidst this drought of production on the wings, we're seeing somebody centrally who's so important to this offensive engine picking up that slack. And I think additionally, the
0: midfield as a whole has really undergone a lot of change. I mean, the wings have also undergone a lot of change with less interaction between the left back and the left winger. Uh, But you think about the midfield, Guillerme was sort of an unfortunate and a little bit unexpected departure rather late. You know, it wasn't like Chimikas, where we knew since day one he was leaving and we still didn't really get a replacement for him. Ironically, Guillerme leaves and we actually bring in Maybe not a perfect replacement for him, but a player that we've discussed today, Jan Mvila, who is French international, played in Liga, and You know, this is a, a a solid player for the club. He's experienced. We actually got to bring that guy in, in addition to Pepe Rodriguez, who maybe is a bit more attacking, but still another midfielder. But Guillerme's departure has really affected the way a lot of our midfielders play. Buhalakis now has new responsibilities, it seems, with... A Guillerme's creativity out of defensive midfield having gone away and obviously we've talked at length about why Jan and Vila does not necessarily measure up in these Greek games when we need someone to break teams down so I think that's one thing that has also changed just comparing the team from last year to this year I'm not necessarily saying it's for the worst because I think Buhalakis by and large has actually had a pretty solid season but That's something else that I would point out in terms of what has changed since last year is the departure of Guillerme, one of our most important players, really, one of our unsung heroes. I remember we did a whole segment on him about why he's one of the unsung heroes of our team and then he left shortly after, so that was fun. But I think that's a big element of our team that's changed as well. Absolutely,
3: that's 100% true. And with the gap that Guillerme left, it did leave us in kind of turmoil with who was going to pick up said slack. Now... Uh, Bob, this is something I'm going to want your opinion on, as well as with some of the metrics I mentioned already with regards to Mari Camara and even the wingbacks. You and I have a similar opinion with Envila, especially when it comes to Greece. And Lambro, you mentioned how slow the team looks, especially in that buildup. I know people don't like Bukhalakis, and I still don't believe that, The stage, the European stage, is for him. You know, we saw kind of what he can do, but we also have seen how bad it looks. I don't know if he's appropriate for there. On a good day, yes, but you don't know what Bukalakis you're going to get. But in Greece, there's something really important. I brought up this metric already. He is second in Greece in smart passes per 90 minutes. He's also second in Greece to Madalos, same person as before, in through balls per 90 minutes. And then more importantly, something that seems to dictate tempo of games as well, progressive passes, our good friend progressive passes that we brought up before, long passes that make meaningful coverage in terms of distance to the opposing goal. This metric seems to indicate tempo play as well. The more progressive passes you have, the faster you're getting the ball forward, the faster you're getting to the opposing third one of the top 10 players in Greece in this metric is also Buchalakis. He averages almost 11 per game. He's the guy that gets the ball forward the fastest. There's only one player on Olympiacos that does it faster than he does and has more progressive passes per game than he does. And that's Valbuena. So when you have Valbuena on the field and Lakis, you're averaging between two players, almost 25 progressive passes per game. That's 25 cases in a game where the ball's going forward, at a fast pace, meaningful distance towards the goal. Effectively, by taking Buchalakis off, we have now gotten rid of almost a quarter, almost a quarter of our team's total progressive passes in a game. In Greece, there is a case for Buchalakis because of this. In the games Jan Mvila has played in Greece, he is averaging less than five progressive passes per game. So you have to wonder... If this is part of the reason that we look so slow, especially in possession, Bob, this is something I wanted your opinion on. What was uh,
1: Buchlak's numbers again? Was that twenty or
3: twenty-five? But uh, well, so twenty-five percent, but he's averaging almost eleven.
1: Eleven. Okay, so twice as many as Mvila. Uh, so more. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I think if if he's getting that many numbers, then. That and we're not getting the ball forward as much uh, when he's not playing. Then yeah, it's gonna it's gonna have a an effect on the team and it's gonna appear as though we're not. Well, we're not attacking as much. So um, yeah, okay. I'm not a critic of uh, Buchalakis anyway. By the way, just for the record, um, <laughs> I, I think he has a good place in the team. But again, f- full Super League, I, I agree with your comments. I think uh, the European, especially Champions League level, is a step too far for him. I think maybe.
3: Do you see? this drought that we've had with result of the wing play, especially on the left side, Mahdi now being forced to go over there to help yeah. create those opportunities, M- removing Bukharakis. Could this be a reason why perhaps there is some perceived toothlessness in that offensive third? We have an important piece of our possession, somebody that can shoot long shots as well, somebody that helps and has helped in the past really get the ball into the into the penalty area. Now he's being forced to go out wide and make some of those crosses. He's being forced to go a little bit further forward maybe than he's supposed to, and that leaves a little bit of a gap in that area right there where he used to be. Could this be something, could this be a reason for some of the gripes that has been mentioned in Lambros'
1: rants and some of what we've seen on social media? Yeah, I think I think if he's being pulled out of position and he's having to make up for Holobass's, uh downfalls, or not—that's uh, harsh to blame Holobas, But but we haven't effectively replaced Simikas. Uh Yeah, I think I, I think that's justified. Then if he's going out to the left and then he's leaving the gap in the middle, it has to be
2: said too. The first goal today from Hassan was a beautiful cross from Mari Kamara, right? Yep. If I'm not mistaken. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's correct. The thing with Madi on the ball is when I say it's slow, I don't mean the buildup. I mean the actual players are slow. Like, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but that's how I feel when I watch. I, I, I can't see Jose Lebas. I can't see Rafinha. I can't see all, a lot of these other players. El Arabi, of course, getting by anyone. El Arabi playing as a poacher and not able to beat the last man. You know which he types to do and gets offside all the time. It's just so so slow. And Mahdi actually has that burst. I I notice he does that a lot in Europe, where he just bursts yes. by someone and gets by them. Bob, what do you think about this? Just lack of pace. I would
1: say not even the buildup. We've we're always going to have a lack of pace because, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's an age inside. We've got. 36, 37-year-old wing-backs. We've got a 37-year-old attacking midfielder. We've got, uh, how, I don't know how old is El Arab? is he 34? We're always going to struggle. And even some of the younger players we've got, they're not speed merchants. You know, you, you don't look at Bukalakis and think he's got the pace that someone like Pedense once had. Uh, we've got Mvira again. They, they, we we just haven't got speed in the team. You Almost from 1 to 11 I think that's what's having a, a negative effect on uh, how, how the game's looking at the moment.
0: For the record, uh, Yusuf El-Rabi is 33, and Jan Vila, I think, is 31. So you're definitely right about the age there, and you're definitely right about... Even Buhalakis, so a younger player, is not exactly a speed demon.
1: Yeah, and I actually I... thought Amvila was two years younger, so yeah, he's even older than I thought. Okay. Yeah.
2: And and I think this is one of the the things that... Why everyone's so excited with Bruma. You know, Bruma comes out of nowhere. And Bruma can actually dribble past someone. Who else in this team can dribble past anyone? Matthew Valbuena. Matthew Valbuena is too slow to dribble past people. He has those little moves and the feints, and he gets enough space to get a ball in, but he's not burning anyone. Lazar Androvich kicks the ball 20 miles ahead of him, and oh, no, he loses it. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Even against 38-year-old players, against La Mia, he loses the ball. Bruma is so exciting because he can actually dribble past someone. Who else can dribble past anyone other than Fortunis and maybe Valbuena and Madi Camara? No one. That's why it's so frustrating to watch, I feel, (laughs) anyway, back on the rant almost. (laughs) But yeah, it's just so frustrating. Like, no one can run past anyone. Everyone's 36 years old. It's not super exciting. You know, It's, it's disappointing.
0: I should say, to be fair, obviously, we lost Chimikas, who, I mean, he would go past people whenever he wanted but we had a lot of slow players in the team last year as well and uh it didn't ruin anything i'm just gonna throw it out there we have gotten slower i mean everyone in the team last year was a, is a year older now it's true obviously if bruma becomes more constant fixture you know that'll be nice but it certainly wasn't as big of a problem last year i think that would explain certainly why it's uh not appealing to watch especially when we're not you know thrashing teams and getting the results we want but it's still possible for this this group of personnel, Holiavas aside, to be successful.
2: And I, I'm gonna let's look up north. Why don't we look up north? Our friendly friends up north, Zolis, Zivkovic, Janulis, Olibiagos. What is our answer, Lazar Angelovic, to run past someone? It's not even a Greek quality thing. Our good friends up north also have very pacey players who can beat people one on one and. And to look exciting, that game against PSV, that second half, how exciting was Pauk to watch, you know? I haven't seen Olympiacos' side look like they're going to put four goals past anyone in six months now, three months. We're, we're not beating anyone 4-0 unless uh, Atharomitos eats a red card 30 minutes into the game.
0: Yeah, it's true. And for the record, uh, I'm going to bring up a player that's probably been the subject of more controversy than anyone else in the team this year. Uh, Our most exciting player, Kostas Fortunis, doesn't usually start. Jon van Schip cares very much about this, obviously. And I think Fortunis' fans in general want to see him on the pitch. We are all very vocal in stating that he's one of our best players. He's one of our most influential players. Stelios Yanakopoulos, when we had him on for an interview, said that with the ball, he's one of the best players in Greece or one of the best players that Greece has seen in recent memory. I mean, this is a great player. He's obviously had an injury. Fortuny's pre-injury, I mean, he was definitely on another level, especially in terms of even just raw goals and assists. But I think Adi has some
3: numbers as well. The whole Fortuny situation is just super frustrating. And before before I get into the numbers, we need to make something super clear here. There is a difference between Martins benching Fortuny with the quality Olivia Kos has versus Ben Ship benching him on the national team. With oh, the- for sure. There. So benching Portuna is for guys that play in Turkey and don't see European competition and are not half the player he is, is unforgivable. Martins benching him for systems changes and if it turns out to be an attitude problem is a completely different thing. You know, us, us debating the offensive capabilities of the team, whether he's not there You know, it's different when you have quality players that are linked with 15, 20 million euro moves overseas versus players that barely went to Turkey for 5 million. So let's make that completely clear. Now, jumping into Fortunus pre-injury, let's just go through some broad metrics, see what he was all about. Now, he was averaging almost a goal every other game per 90 minutes. Stellar. That's pretty stellar considering he was a number 10, and he was getting an assist, 0.36 per 90. Assist every almost third of a game. Very productive. Three shots per 90 minutes, three crosses per 90, dribbling on people eight times per 90 minutes, over eight times per 90 minutes. He was trying to take defenders on constantly, and he was very, very successful at it. He had a dribbling efficiency of 62%. That means six out of every 10 times he tried to dribble on somebody, he got by them. Incredible. And that's part of the reason why it was blowing up. He looked amazing before the injury. Three shot assists per 90. And he was even averaging a quarter of a second assist per 90 as well. So a second assist is a pass that leads to the pass that leads to the goal. Pretty good pre-injury. Now, after the injury, when we saw him kind of right before the, the restart for COVID, or sorry, I should say before the COVID break started, rustiness just coming back from a bad injury almost a year 0.16 assists per 90 0.23 goals per 90 one and a half shots per 90 1.7 crosses per 90 barely five dribbles per 90 two and a half shot assists per 90 that's that's all right and 0.23 second assists per 90 so the second assist went up but nothing else did everything else was lower so you expect that he just recovered from injury Now, let's go into this year. Now, obviously, this year, he hasn't played many full 90s. So we're taking all of his time that he's played in all competitions, and we're compressing it into a per 90 figure to simulate what it would look like on a per 90 basis in terms of his production. So, so far, he's at 0.23 goals per 90, similar to last year. Not quite the year before level, but hey. Now, he's at 0.43 assists per 90, an improvement over both. Two and a half shots per 90. Hey, we're kind of getting back to the pre-injury number. He's getting more more active. This year, he's averaging five crosses per 90. Even in his pre-injury year, he never had that many crosses. He's getting forward more, exerting more effort, and trying to cross more. He's also helping to pick up the slack that's been missing for Ljubljana. 8.3 dribbles per 90 minutes. He's back to his pre-injury form. He's willing to take defenders on again. He's not afraid of it. He's trying to do it. The caveat here is that he's not as efficient in taking people on. 36.7% efficiency compared to pre-injury. He's not as effective, but he's working on it. He's getting there. This is okay. It's not something we're worried about. 3.46 shot assists per 90. Again, this is better than pre-injury. He's averaging almost double the shot assists per game. Second assist, 0.1. Okay, you know what? He's not involved in the buildup that's leading. He's more involved in the direct pass that's leading up to the goal. 1.22 key passes per 90. This is pretty good. We were talking about Valbuena earlier, how Valbuena is one of our most creative players. Valbuena this season is averaging 1.06 key passes per game. Just some food for thought. Now, Fortunis... Another metric we brought up earlier, smart passes. He's averaging just over two smart passes per game. We talked about a little bit earlier. There is a player for Lybiakos. He's second in the smart pass metric in Greece. And that's Bukharlakis, 2.31. Well, if we aggregate Fortunis' stats for this year to simulate the per 90-minute games, he's at 2.04. He can break down defenses. We've known this. Comparing some of his other metrics to Valbuena, Valbuena, 0.09 goals per 90, 0.09 assists per 90. Not so good, especially compared to last year, Valbuena. 1.3 shots per 90, almost five, almost five crosses per game. Four and a half dribbles per 90. Does it less, but Valbuena's efficiency is 62%, way higher than is right now. Three and a quarter shot assists per 90, very high, Fortunis is higher. 1.06 key passes per 90, I mentioned that earlier, and 0.8 smart passes. Valbuena doesn't look always for those through balls, or they're at least not very successful. So this is something that's really important to recognize. Valbuena, somebody that we recognize as one of our key creators, and on a per 90-minute basis, Fortunis is better and more creative than he is in that respect. That's just some food for thought. And that's to say nothing about at least the other number 10s that play for Greece. But we're not going to get into that yet.
2: Just going off these numbers, and I'm going to bring in some off-the-field stuff with Fortunis as well. Fortunis is getting really unfavorable treatment by Coach Martins. Every time something's not going off, wrong, Fortunis off at halftime. Lazar Angelovic plays 90 games. Masuras plays 90, 90, 90 games, excuse me, 90 minutes. But Fortunis? No. No, no, no. He's he's coming off. 45 minutes. He's done. Against Apollon? What, what was that? What was that about? W- Fortunis created everything. Everything in that first half. Bruma played decent as well. But no, Fortunis off. It's a joke. I, I honestly, I don't get the situation. And even, you know what, even if his numbers were worse, he's playing around worse system, worse players. Like, it's wrong. He's had a few disappointing games, but... I would take a few of his disappointing games over Lazar Angelovic playing constantly. He can't be dropped. Now that Bruma is in the team, okay, he, he may get dropped, but what can he do? I, I don't understand the situation. There needs to be something more that's the, that's behind the scenes because it's shocking. I, I don't know what you think. Bob, wh- what do you think about this whole Fortuny situation? Is he being almost like a scapegoat? What what's what's the deal with him getting pulled after forty five fifty minutes while other
1: players who look much worse get the ninety? Exactly, it's uh, it's unexplainable really. Uh, last week against Apollon, he, he was the best player on the pitch in that first half. I I, could, I couldn't believe what I was seeing at the start of the second half, and I could see he was coming off. It's it's not like he's been flogged all season. He I can't remember the last time he played a complete ninety minutes for us. Um, I know he played 90 minutes for Greece on the last international uh, break, but he hasn't played a full game for us. It, uh, it's it, There's definitely something up, and it does feel like he's getting unfair treatment, and when Harry was going through the um, figures earlier, he, he was saying that he's getting close to his pre-injury uh, level again, and he's working on it. Yeah, he, he's working on it, but he's not given the opportunity. So, he, he may be improving, but Martins isn't giving him the opportunity and I, and I do not get it. We're running Val Brenner into the ground. He's playing almost, well, he's not playing 90 minutes game, but you know, Val Brenner's playing like 75 minutes-ish every single game and we've got a 20, is it 27 Fortunis, for, uh, for however old he is? We've got him sat on the bench, 28. Give the lad, he's the best player we've got along with Val Brenner and it's, it's really frustrating. I don't know what's up but there's got to be something up between him and Martins. It's, I I I wish I knew what it was but um, yeah, he, he's being unfairly treated because much worse players are getting a lot, lot more minutes in this team at the minute and I it's I just don't get it. And whenever he is given the opportunity, whenever he's given 10 minutes at the end of a game, 20 minutes at the end of a game, 45 minutes, he's our most protective player or it's certainly you've got the numbers but to me, watching with my eye, it, he seems to be the most dangerous player we've got. So, it's it's extremely frustrating, and I'm not sure how long how long does he want to stay in a team for that? Like he he was linked with a move away a couple of seasons ago. Like you know, I even saw he was linked with like Spurs, um, but. He's, then he said he wants to stay, but as long as Martin stays there and he's going to be he's stuck in this position, how long will he want to stay with us and play in these 15 minutes here and there or meaningless 45 minutes? It's, surely he wants more than that. And, yeah, he, so, yes, he is being unfairly treated in answer to your question.
3: Yeah, and something that really spoke to me was when we were looking at the match report and talking about the Porto game. Valbuena and Fortunes combined had as many key passes as the entire Porto team put together. Two players. are two creative players. More key passes than the entire Porto team combined. That spoke volumes to me. You know? You have Valbueno, who we know is creative, and Fortuna is here next to him. These two guys have more creativity than the entire FC Porto team. The champions of Portugal, a pot one team that we're competing with for the second place in Champions League group stage right now. That spoke volumes to me. Now, obviously, we could go on for days and hours about this. But... It is what it is.
2: One point we haven't touched. This Fortuny subject, we can beat like a dead horse. I think the saying is like, we can go over this. Where is Vrusai? Where is Andruzzos? What is the problem with that? We're we're not scoring goals. We're not doing anything on the wings. Mario Vrusai, from all accounts, had fantastic seasons in the Netherlands. He was being recruited by Ajax. And Willem didn't have the money to buy him because of coronavirus. If we're being honest, Willem would have bought him and sold him to Ajax, is what the Dutch were saying. Yeah. But it didn't happen. He came home and he said, rightfully so, I, I'm going to say this, rightfully so, Mario Frusai said to Olympiakos, I want to go back abroad. I don't want to stay here. You know why? Because this is what happens. Young Greek talent, what, what, what's the point of them going to Adromitos, going to Holland? And they get in from a fantastic season. Danasi Sounders played 40 games for Atomitos. All accounts had a great season. Mario Versailles had a great season in the Netherlands. They get called into the squad. They're in the squad. They're in the squad. Nothing. They sit on the bench and then they're gone in January. What is the point? What is the point? I I just don't get it. You know, this this is another area we can get into. It's just, it's terrible business by the club. If anything, they should look at themselves... And saying we can sell these players for more if we do this smartly, it makes no sense.
0: It's true. Yeah, we can talk about it forever, for sure. Um, it should have been a loan or a sale for these players because clearly they weren't planned to be in the team at all, really. And it's just a shame that they haven't even gotten a chance in a game against a random Greek minnow. Now let's get into the Ethniki because we've talked a lot about Olympiakos today and we don't want to spend too much time uh, we do have some international games coming up, a friendly with Cyprus, and then, let's face it, basically a friendly in the UEFA Nations League against Moldova and then Slovenia, again, rounding out our group of four. The squad has been released, although it is going to be amended as a result of what we mentioned at the beginning with Yanulis, Svarnas, and Mantaros missing. However, we have seen Kostas Chimikas in the fold, And we've also seen an addition of two players that we haven't seen, at least since the podcast has started. Uh, Another player for Turkish outlet Alanya Spor, uh, Manolis Siopis. So they have three Greek internationals on their team, some team in Turkey who isn't playing in Europe, so that's great. And uh, Hararambos Mavrias. I hope I'm saying that right. Now, this one for me, going to get a bit upset because we had – John Van Schipp saying, Kostas Fortunis, he shouldn't be playing in the Ethniki, he shouldn't be starting because he doesn't get enough time for Olympiakos, he doesn't start for Olympiakos. Mavrias, if you look at, he plays for Ammonia, a team that are unequivocally worse than us, play in Cyprus, play in the Europa League. In the last 10 games, Haradampos Mavrias has featured in two. Two, and he's been on the bench in the other eight. He's been healthy. I don't understand. What is the deal? Why does this guy get in? It makes no sense to me. He hasn't done anything domestically to support being called up at all, and his name is just drawn out of the hat to be included in the team. I get that he probably won't play, but the selection makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't want to drag on about the key for too much, but this one is just missing to me, and
3: I don't know. It's just really annoying for me to see that. Yeah, there's – I mean – Personally, I think that's probably he was called up because Bakakis ended up having COVID. That's what I'm just going to believe because it'll make me feel better. Because the the annoying thing for me is we continue to call up another right back, Lazarus Rota, who's actually doing all right. He looks okay in the Netherlands. He played like a few minutes (laughs) in one of our last games and he didn't look half bad. So why are you going to call this guy up and not play him? You're going to play center backs at the right back instead of trying out the real right backs? Mm. You know, it, at, at this point, like, right back is pretty much a wash. Like, I, I find the hypocrisy hilarious because Ventship clearly doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care who's playing who. There's something else there. If he cared, he wouldn't be calling up Mavrias, you know? It's ridiculous. And Siopis, what, what kind of call-up is that? We already have three players that are just like him. You know? And and in fact, Kiriakopoulos, who kind of pushed up into that midfield in one of the in the friendly against Austria. I liked him all right in the midfield. You know, I, I, uh, I'll I agree actually with uh, a previous guest of ours, Greg Gavalas, who liked him as well. I thought he was all right. Siopis offers us nothing. He's not even that impressive of a, a player. And he doesn't get that many touches. He's not used to being a guy that's on the ball all the time like a lot of our, our CDMs are. Especially guys like Gurbeli's and Bukhalakis who get on the ball a lot. Zeka doesn't, but Zeka's the bulldog. We already have bull. We don't need any more bulldogs in this midfield. We need a maestro. We don't have Galanopoulos right now. We need a real maestro, and Siopis isn't even close. So a little bit questionable for me. The the new call-up, Yakumakis, I'm good with that one. That guy is on fire. I think it was like eight goals in seven games or eight goals in nine games. I mean, he's on fire. I like that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't really want to even get upset about some of the other ones because we know that we're going to see them and it's just unfortunate.
0: Yeah, quick note on Yakumakis. You're right. Absolutely banging in goals for Dutch outlet Venlo. Now, fun fact about Yakumakis, he actually participated in a game that they lost 13 0 to Ajax. So hopefully, Greece won't do the same thing. But he has been scoring lots of goals, almost one goal a game. He replaces Tahiarkis Funtas, who I think got injured in the Europa League. So he will not be included, unfortunately. But I don't see why you don't just give Rota a chance. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but it's interesting. We'll see. We talk about why we don't really like to cover the key that much. I personally also think, for the record, I just want to say this quickly, it's completely irresponsible of UEFA to be hosting these tournaments right now, given the way that coronavirus cases are going up in Europe regular people aren't allowed to leave their house and you're letting players from all sorts of different teams around the world link up together and go to somewhere completely different, sometimes to different continents. I mean, I get that they're all getting tested, but look, let's be honest. These tests have false negatives. It takes some time from when the virus gets inside your body to when the test delivers a positive result. This is known. Look what's happened already. Nabi Keita gives coronavirus to Madi and then Mahdi comes back and gives it to Ba. Like, that was all testing, and it's still happening. We're going to see players giving coronavirus to their entire national teams, potentially. That is a potential thing that could happen. And I'm not just saying this because I don't want to talk about the Greek national team anymore. It's true. But I just think right now, UEFA needs to just take a break with these Nations League fixtures that people really don't care about that much, as well as just random international friendlies. Like... We're really just flying teams out and risking exposure of this pandemic just to have a friendly. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me, but that's completely besides the point. I don't know what we're going to see. Montaros, for what it's worth, has been in really good form. Uh, If we look at the numbers that we talked about with Fortunis and Valbuena, he's had some decent numbers as well in all of those categories. We've mentioned how he's leading the Super League in smart passes, both total and per 90 minutes. He's averaging 0.23 goals and 0.23 assists per 90. 4.66 dribbles with 62.3% efficiency is one number that jumps out to me. Obviously not as many dribbles as Fortunis, but a lot more efficient. And 2.52 shot assists for 90 is not bad as well. He's been good, but if Jan van Ship uses him on the wing again, it is an absolute waste of a player. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? And one more thing I want to add about the national team that I thought was interesting, it might not materialize anymore with Jan Urys out. But if you look carefully at the listing, you can see the players are ordered by their position. You know, Dioudis, Flacudimos are first. The goalkeepers are first, then defenders, then midfielders, then attackers. Kostas Chimikas is listed with the midfielders on the official Ethniki squad announcement. Now, obviously, we know his preferred position is a left back. But we've discussed on the podcast before, could he maybe appear in a higher role with the lack of left-wingers in the team right now for Greece. It almost seems like they might be thinking that. His name is right next to Mantaros. Obviously, Mantaros not included, but when the squad announcement came out, he was included. So that, I think, is interesting to me. Obviously, even without Janoulis, there are other players in the fold who are capable of playing left-back, although we'll probably see Taveras as a center-back for the Ethniki. But just something that I thought was interesting as well that's worth mentioning.
2: I'm not in the mental head state yet to discuss this shocking national team. And I know Stelios, you know, in the interview was telling us to big up John Van Schip, give him support, but um, th- this could be it for John Van Schip. So he better be making the decisions right. The shocking call-ups, what's new? I've, I expect a midfield of COPs and I don't know. Zabelas is going to be our starting central defender. Good, great. Savelas, Ciopis, Mavrias. I think Kolovos is available from the Moldovan League. He should be able to play. He should be free. Well, I, I'm going to have to look at the squad. We're going to have to get into it. But I honestly I don't feel like getting into it right now. Um, this could be the end. Maybe it's the light at the end of the tunnel. Who knows? This national team is shocking and it's not very fun. We we discussed Olympiakos isn't very fun and we're winning every game. So. Imagine the Greek national team losing and drawing with Minos. So that's it. Over to you guys.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to wait and reserve a lot of judgment until I see what happens in the friendly, and then if, of course, Vanship will learn anything from the friendly. But there's something I just want to put out there because there continues to be some arguments about Bacasetas, Even after as much data as we put out there, people still seem to think Bacasetas can be the number 10 Greece needs. So, Peter already talked about the data for Madalos. I gave you guys the data for Fortunis. Here's Bacasetas's data, okay? And if you still think he should be starting as the number 10 for Greece in any scenario or any universe whatsoever, I've got nothing to say. That's it. You don't care about facts at that point. Bacasetas is averaging 0.18 goals and assists per 90 minutes. That is the lowest of any number 10 option Greece has. Now, that's not including, of course, this past weekend's Game, he's averaging 2.9 2. shots per 90. Okay, that's going to be a little bit more, but we've always said he's kind of seemed more like a second striker, not a real number 10. Uh, one and a half crosses per 90. Okay, he doesn't really do it. 1.9 dribbles per 90 with a 47% efficiency. We know we've already said he doesn't take players on. It's not something in a skill set. He only does it to get out of trouble, and it's usually backwards. shot assists per 90, okay? Madalos and Fortunis are over three per game. These are passes that lead directly to shots. 0.09 second assists per 90, similar to both of them. But here are the interesting ones. Smart passes, key passes, right, guys? We've talked about smart passes and key passes being something that's really what tells us if, if somebody's effective in the offensive third. 1.72 smart passes per game, half of what Madalos does, and of course, less than what Fortunis does, and 0.94 key passes per 90. Now, I'm going to let you guys know something. You know what is included in those metrics, smart passes and key passes? Free kicks. If we get rid of the free kicks Pacacetas has taken, those efficiency numbers drop in half which means half of the smart passes and key passes Bacasetas has are from set pieces. He offers nothing in open play. This is a player that is worthless for a creative situation. You move Madalos, the player in the Super League, with the most smart passes and the highest smart pass percentage per 90. 3.4 smart passes per 90 leads the Super League.
2: So, hold on. What you're telling me is montalo should be on the wing. Bacasetas are 10.
3: <laughs> well,
2: that's how JB. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, I, oh, I'm sorry. Wait, that was what John Van Ship heard. That's not what I yeah. heard.
3: Sorry. That's I, that's what he's going to, that's what he's going to do. And it is, it's ridiculous. And people keep saying, oh, you're picking and choosing stats. I just put them all out there. Every single one. That's every There's stat, no folks. And I put every stat <laughs> out there for you. And if you still think Bacasetas is going to be the number 10 Greece needs, you clearly don't care about the game. It's just you might just be an Ike fan or I don't know. I got nothing for you. But big he should be the last in the pecking order. Maybe you should be playing as a striker. I don't know. But he should not be playing number 10 for Greece.
0: Well, well said, Adi. I think that's a good place to finish up. We pretty much laid every stat out there. And uh, that's about all we have to say on that. So with that, uh, Bob, I want to say thank you one more time for coming on. We know you have your website, thrilosworld.com. Everyone go visit that for content on Olympiakos in English. Bob, if there's anything else that you would like to plug or promote while you're here, we know you're all on social media and giving out a lot of good information about Olympiakos for those such as myself who don't speak Greek. So if there's anything else you'd like to add, now's the time.
1: Uh, Nothing that I'd want to plug really, but just quickly a couple of things. Um, Yeah, sorry, I didn't have much to say about uh, the ethnicity today, but um, I've just fallen out of love in general with international football, both Wales, which is my country of birth, and my married inter nation, which is Greece. I find it a very poor product, Uh, even uh, watching as a neutral, some of the bigger teams. I've got no time for international football at the moment, apart from outside. Once you get to the World Cup, you get the Euros. Love it. It's a great tournament. Um, But I feel this podcast being a bit negative. So I just want to bring a bit of positivity back. We've only conceded one goal in uh, the Super League. So I just want to maybe end on a bit of a high. If we can take some positive out of this season. um I don't want this to be like hour and a half of total negativity. um, Even though maybe it's just. But uh, yeah, so let's look at a positive. We've only conceded one goal in Greece. So yeah, happy days.
2: When we're back, we're going to beat Panathinaikos 4-0 four, four and we're just going to throw a party. So, of course. you know what, hopefully that's the end result of this negativity is Coach Martins is on the board. He's watching John Van Schip mastermind the Greek games and he's inspired. We roll on and you know what, there's still hope, you know, there's still, I, I always get accused of saying hope 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 well there's hope for Course this season we're, we're we're undefeated we're also we still have a chance at second place that's what we want that's the that's the prize right there so as long as that is still there and you know what man City maybe we have hope at home and we'll, let's give the boys a benefit of the doubt let's let's see what they got after this international break
0: well, That little bit of positivity is certainly much needed. Um, Sorry, folks had to listen all the way till the end to get it, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if things start looking up. But yeah, Bob, thanks again. As a Chelsea fan, I'll need Ethan Ampadu updates from you whenever Wales play. Thank you all for listening, as always, especially if you've made it this far. Continue to interact with us on social media, Gate7INTL on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, anything you'd like. Continue to leave reviews, and we will read them out on the podcast, and continue to get involved in the discussion, and uh, we look forward to hearing your feedback, and we will see you very soon.